Welcome back to week four, day two of our look through the New Testament. We're looking at the book of Titus today as we go through a book a day. And I'd like to begin by reading Titus chapter one, verses one to three. Paul starts that book by saying, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, a faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at his appointed season, he brought his word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior. Now, these are the first three verses. Paul hasn't even said who the, who the book is to yet, and he's already preached a whole sermon. He has a lot to say, obviously, in this letter. Titus is a book about how to make an impact in your life. It's a book about how to build a healthy church and make an impact. It's a book about how to live a life of impact. And when he gets to verse four, he says, finally, who the book is to, to Titus, he writes, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Paul is a Jew and Titus is a Gentile. These are two men who would never even have met except for the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Jews did not speak with Gentiles. They didn't eat with Gentiles. But by God's grace, now they're partners together in ministry. Paul's able to say, my true son in the faith. What do we know about Titus? We know that he was a Gentile. He was a Greek. Galatians 2, 3 tells us that. We know that Paul had this relationship with him uh, that was a partnership in ministry and even more. He called Titus my brother in 2 Corinthians 2.13, my partner and fellow worker in 2 Corinthians 8.23. He called Titus here my true son. So out of that, we get this sense because Paul used that phrase towards those people he'd won to faith in Christ. So he was won to faith in Christ by the Apostle Paul. And we know that Titus went on to serve God in many, many ways. He had ministries in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 12, 18 tells us, and Dalmatia, 2 Timothy 4, 10 tells us. The book of Titus tells us he had ministries in Crete. Apparently, as you look behind the history of this, Titus was Paul's troubleshooter. He went to churches that were having struggles, problems, Corinth and Crete, before that Jerusalem, and he helped them in those problems to see God's goodness and grace. He had a character, 2 Corinthians 8, 16 to 17 tells us, of, of concern, of, of enthusiasm, of initiative. He was perfectly suited for this role. And this ministry partnership that Paul had with Titus, it was very important to Paul. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. 2 Corinthians 2, 13, Paul writes and says, I had no peace of mind because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I said goodbye to them and I went on to Macedonia. He said goodbye because he wanted to see Titus. It was so important to him. 2 Corinthians 7, 6, he says, but God who comforts the downcast comforted us by the coming of Titus. So they had this strong relationship. And out of this relationship, they did ministry together. Paul had asked Titus to help strengthen the churches in Crete and the believers in Crete. And he's writing now to encourage his son in the faith. And as he writes, he talks in this book. One way to look at it is he talks about how to make an impact. You want to make an impact? He talks about three things. You got to be selective, you got to be attractive, and you got to be devoted. Those three things. Be selective, attractive, and devoted. To make an impact, you have to be selective. You have to focus your life. And as Paul talks to Titus about this, he says you have to be extremely selective about who you follow. Who is leading the direction of your life? 
Rick Warren and I grew up in a town where a guy named Jim Jones was leading a church. At that time, most of the people in the town thought it was a fine church, but many of the believers knew that there was a problem because the preaching wasn't gospel preaching and the focus was on Jim Jones, not on Jesus. Healing was going on. The church was doing good things in the community. The poor were being ministered to. And so many people followed Jim Jones. And as you know, the history of that false cult, they followed him to their grave. Now, we do need human leaders. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But we have to be selective. Are we following people who are following Christ? Or are we just following people who are doing good things? So how, how do you know if these are people that you should follow? Well, you, you check their character. Paul talks about that in chapter 1. He actually, if you look through the verses carefully, he, he gives a back-and-forth comparison of the kind of character you should look for and the kind of character you should watch out for. So he says, are they, in verse 8, pursuing, not pursuing dishonest gain? If, if they're somebody who doesn't seem to be living for money, that's a good check. So maybe you want to let that person influence your life. Or in verse 5, he says, are they living for the sake of dishonest gain? If you see that it's all about money, don't follow that person because then your life's going to become all about money. In, in verse 9, he says, are they hospitable? Or in verse 8, are they detestable? It's a pretty easy decision. In verse 10, are they loving good? Or in verse 10, he says, are they unfit for doing good? In verse 11, are they self-controlled? Or in verse 7, do they have actions that deny God? He's just painting these two different pictures. Are they upright in verse 12? Or do they have corrupt minds in verse 6? You can hear that from the way people speak. Are they holy, verse 13, or disobedient, verse 9? Do they hold firmly to the truth, verse 15? Or do they teach what they shouldn't? in verse 4. Are they disciplined, verse 14, or are they mere talkers? As you look at the comparison of these, you see, okay, is this a person who's following Christ, or is this a person who's following themselves, their own selfishness? Be selective about who you follow. Second, he says, you got to be attractive. He talks in this section about sound doctrine meaning solid truth. In chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, Paul writes, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It's interesting. In this chapter, he talks about attractive older men, attractive younger men, attractive older women, attractive younger women. But he doesn't talk about physical attraction. He talks about spiritual attraction. You want to live an attractive life. The way to make an impact with your life is to live an attractive life, a life that people are attractive, attracted to. And there is a way to live that attracts people to the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul talks about it in this chapter. And then number three, he talks about you want, you want to live an effective, you want to live a focused, you want to live a life that really makes an impact, you got to be devoted. You have to be devoted. You can't just live based on, well, I hope something good happens. You got to decide what am I committed to? What am I devoted to? He talks in this chapter about what to be devoted to, being subject to rulers and authorities, being devoted to obedience, to, to readiness to do good, to, to not being a slanderer, to being peaceable and considerate. Be devoted to these things, he says. He also talks, I think of most interest to me, about how to be a devoted person. He says in verses 3 to 8, don't forget who you were, don't forget who you are, 
and don't forget where you're going. That's how to be a devoted person. Don't forget who you were. Don't forget who you are. And don't forget where you're going. Who you were, you were enslaved by passions, he says. Who you are, you're justified by grace. And where you're going, you're heirs of the hope of eternal life. In fact, let me read those verses and you just listen for those three things. Paul says, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what's good. That's how to be devoted. In verses 9 to 11, he talks about what to avoid if you're going to be devoted. He says, avoid foolish arguments. That'll just take away your devotion. It'll get you caught up in what you're talking about rather than what you're doing. And then in verses 12 to 15, he talks about why we, we should be devoted. And we think of these huge reasons why we should be devoted, to make an impact on eternity and to to change the world. And of course, that's true. But Paul takes it down to the reality of everyday life. In verse 14, he says, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what's good in order to provide for urgent needs and to not live unproductive lives. Paul says, you know why you need to be devoted? Because of daily provision and life production. There's some needs that your family has, that the church has. So we need some devoted people. And if you live an unproductive life, it's not going to be much of a witness for Jesus Christ. So he says, just the simple day to day is why you need to be devoted. I think some people think their devotion hasn't gained them anything because they don't have notoriety. God never promised that. But he did promise his faithfulness in the day to day. He did promise his faithfulness even through the problems. And God has used your life if you've been devoted in more ways than you can imagine. We'll see it when we get to heaven. Let's take a minute to pray together. Father, we want to make an impact with our lives. So help us to look not at what's going to happen 20 years from now, but at the next step we're going to take. How can we live with devotion? How can we focus our hearts on you in such a way that people can be attracted by the life of Jesus in us, that we can live a life that makes a difference in the daily needs of not only ourselves and our families, but the other people that are around us. Jesus, we cannot be devoted without your power. And so we ask for it today. In your name, amen. Well, tomorrow, the book of Philemon teaches us how to resolve conflicts. (laughs) 